Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you here on Friday, February the 3rd. This week we're focusing on malaria with the publication of striking new data which suggests that global malaria mortality may be much higher than previously thought. The study is published online and simultaneously in the current issue of The Lancet dated February the 4th to the 10th. It is also the subject of our main editorial in this week's issue. But earlier I spoke to one of the authors of the study, Professor Chris Murray from the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington in Seattle in the United States. Professor Murray, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. You're one of the authors of a study with new, compelling and concerning data about global malaria mortality. Before we go into the detail of your findings and what the implications of those findings may be, just for context, can you set the scene? Because malaria uh, has received an awful lot of attention, hasn't it, in terms of donor funding programs, scale up for prevention and treatment over the past decade. So how would you summarize the past decade in terms of the efforts that have gone into malaria? Well, I think since malaria became one of the targets of the Millennium Development Goals, Millennium Development Goal 6 in particular, there's been a growing tide of effort to try to reduce the burden of malaria. You know, the Global Fund for AIDS, TB, and Malaria is a big funder. The President's Malaria Initiative in the United States, a number of other efforts have led to a pretty major scale-up of malaria control activities in the last decade after a couple of decades of uh, much less effort in the 80s and 90s. And the actual epidemic, your data suggests this, as do previous data, that the actual malaria epidemic in terms of mortality peaked, didn't it, around 2003-2004, but it has been coming down over the past few years as a result of, of the efforts that you've just mentioned. Absolutely. We're seeing that the burden of malaria is going down since about 2004, and then that's got to be a reflection of that scale-up of activities. What were the aims of your analysis? Because I must have been, until I read your paper, I thought we had a pretty good idea of the data and the figures concerning global malaria mortality, but you must have thought there was another way of looking at this, otherwise you wouldn't have undertaken this study. Well, this effort grows out of a much broader effort, which is goes by the name of the Global Burden of Disease in 2010. That effort is you know, an attempt to look across all major diseases and actually risk factors in a very standardized, comparative way about what is the magnitude of the problem and what's been the trends over the last two or three decades. And quite early on in that effort, we started to notice that the analysis for malaria was showing results that were quite uh, surprising to us. And so we then said, look, we need to really investigate very carefully and in, in far greater detail what's the evidence base on malaria mortality and what is the you know, reasons that we're seeing what were unusual results for what has been the standard view in the field. Tell us a bit more about the methodology and how you actually pull the logistics of, of, of this study together. How does it contrast with previous efforts to estimate worldwide malaria mortality? There's been a long history of trying to estimate the number of deaths from malaria, going back decades. And the estimates have varied pretty dramatically over over the last few decades from the number of deaths as, you know, some estimates as high in the 80s as two and a half million deaths and then estimates as low as the ones currently announced by WHO of 600,000 deaths recently. So there's huge variation in the 
historical estimates around malaria. What's unusual about what we're doing in this study is that we've come at it by asking the question about malaria mortality by looking at cause of death data. So our approach in this study, in contrast to, for example, the world's health organization numbers, is we start by saying, what's all the world's data over the last three decades about deaths from malaria? And that means, you know, deaths from malaria that have been recorded in vital registration systems in some middle and high income countries, or deaths from malaria that are recorded in, in what's called verbal autopsy, which are interviews of household members where somebody's died, use information on the signs and symptoms before death to try to assign the cause of death. So we come at it by trying to get all the data on cause of death and then use statistical models to interpret the data that's available and figure out what the trend in each country might have been. That's in contrast to the other approach to coming up with malaria mortality, which is to start with a model of the number of episodes of malaria or start with a model of the fraction of the population that are infected with malaria and then say what is the possible death rates that we would observe based on those um, uh, measured infection rates. And that's a sort of natural history model, the alternative approach, and they don't actually use the cause of death data. And that's probably the fundamental difference between our approach and what WHO has published. We're really making use of cause of death data to try to understand the levels and trends in, in malaria. Thanks very much for that uh, explanation. That was clear. Now tell us actually about your numbers. And obviously, you've mentioned previously WHO estimates, the World Malaria Report data that have been out recently. In broad terms, your estimates are suggesting nearly a doubling of annual malaria deaths, aren't they, compared with the WHO data? Our estimates show around 1.2 million deaths, or just over, in 2010, and that's in contrast to, as you say, to the WHO numbers, which are almost half of that. The reason we have a much larger burden of disease from malaria, or number of deaths, is several fold. First, we have somewhat more deaths in children than WHO has. Also, as a percent of deaths under five in Africa, for example, quite a bit higher. So almost a quarter of all deaths in Africa in children are in our assessment from malaria. Second, and probably the most important difference or finding in our study is that we're seeing over age five in adolescents and in fact, over in adults, you know, 15 and above, quite a lot of deaths from malaria. So we have in the age group over 15, we have 330,000 people dying from malaria. And that's going to be perhaps one of the most key factors here, which is this idea that the cause of death data and actually hospital data and every other source we've been able to find show pretty consistently that quite an appreciable number of adults die from malaria. The risk of dying from malaria is much lower for adults, but there's a lot of adults, and so it adds up. And that's probably the, the most important finding that we have in terms of magnitude. And then we find also more deaths outside of Africa from malaria than WHO has found, but less than some recently published studies, for example, on, on India. So we're somewhere in between the other studies on malaria deaths in South Asia and Southeast Asia. That's the sort of big headline level story. I think what's as 
important or perhaps even more important from a, a malaria control point of view is that we see quite a profound decline from 2004 to present in malaria mortality. Our numbers are higher in every year, but there was a peak around 1.8 million deaths in 2004 and coming down. And that decline, at least in the statistical analysis, is driven both by the scale-up of insecticide-treated bed nets and the scale-up of uh, artemisinin combination therapy, or ACT, for treating malaria. And that relates to the, the important role of the expansion of drug resistance in the 80s and 90s of driving malaria mortality up and now having better drugs available, bringing that malaria mortality down as well. The finding that there's more malaria death than we thought in a world where funding for global health, at least in the last year and probably in the next few years, may be pretty constant and not growing at the pace that we've seen in the past, that there's going to be some very uh, difficult issues about competing priorities because there's so many things we can do that are effective you know, where where should funds go? So if malaria really is twice as big, then that will translate, I believe, into resources that might be more for malaria than in the past. But I think even in terms of the technical strategy for malaria control, if our finding that adults die from malaria uh, is true, then you would expect that we should pay more attention in terms of malaria control strategy about making sure that adults get the benefits of bed nets, that rapid diagnostic tests and appropriate treatment for malaria, the effort is put into making sure that's available for adults in addition to children. So I think it would lead to a rebalancing of sort of the priority of, of malaria up, and it would lead to a change in strategy of more attention as to, to how you reach adults in addition to children. And a final question, going back to this nature of data and the different way of doing analysis, your analysis which you've described, contrasting with recent WHO analysis, shouldn't there be a forum whereby scientists across the world can have some kind of consensus as to how they're going to try and project or estimate these mortality data? Isn't there an argument that it's actually not particularly helpful to have WHO coming out with figures completely different to data from you? I think it's absolutely the case that the, the disturbing aspects of our analysis is just how sparse and limited the actual data on malaria mortality are, which then creates a lot of scope for different analysts to come up with different results. And the real answer there is to, in a concerted way, get better data. And I think one vehicle to do that is now to collect more of this sort of verbal autopsy data. And the tools to measure cause of death are substantially better now. There's, there's computer-based automated approaches for you know, figuring out the cause of death from verbal autopsy data, which make it cheap and easy to do this in surveys, censuses, and other data collection mechanisms. So that's the real answer, as well as, you know, actual surveillance data on deaths in hospital and cases. There's a lot of ways we can strengthen malaria mortality collection. In terms of what should the world do with multiple studies on the magnitude of disease burden, whether it's malaria or HIV or maternal mortality, whatever it is. We all need to want the, the truth, right? I think everybody in global health needs and wants to know what's actually happening. And if the science isn't strong enough to lead to everybody saying, yep, 
this is exactly what the numbers are, then we should actually want and encourage different researchers to, you know, look at the evidence and at, from different angles to make sure that we, we're getting the story right. And I think it's the, the play of, you know, uh, science that will guide us to slowly coming to uh, a consensus. Forcing consensus when the science isn't strong enough to make everybody nod their head and say, yes, that's, that's the right answer, I'm not sure helps us and in fact may lead for us to miss what's in the data like in our study that it seems like adults are really dying from malaria. It's a very interesting study. It's a very readable study as well and it's free to access. All people have to do if they haven't already is just register on thelancet.com. Registration is free. Also look out for the accompanying editorial that the Lancet's running alongside it. But in the meantime, Professor Chris Murray on the line from the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, University of Washington, Seattle. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Well, thank you very much for your interest.